0: Everybody, we have a really intriguing show today. I first met Kate Montana at Gaia when we were doing um, a show on her book called *Unearthing Venus*. But since then, her life has taken a couple of quick-about turns, and she ended up writing a really intriguing book that's that's brand new called *Apollo and Me*. And this really drums home, I think, to all women the need to start healing our sense of self on perhaps the deepest level I've seen in any book. Um, Without further ado, let's bring Kate on, because we're going to talk about how she wrote this book in fiction form and why. Kate, good to see you again.
1: Regina, wonderful to be back
0: on your show. You know, Kate, it's interesting. A few people, Barbara Hanclough and a couple of others, who are kind of heavyweights in this genre, um, have decided to go with fiction because they want to be able to get some unique esoteric concepts across without coming off as kind of wacky not that not that it is wacky but do you know what I mean Um, obviously you do because you've decided to write your book as a fictional account of some very real information so tell us uh, before we get into the backstory why you decided to work with fiction in this case
1: Well, you know, Regina, I didn't really seem to have much choice. The book came out that way. I was actually in Greece in the summer of 2015, uh, writing another book, a nonfiction title called The E-Word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials, for Atria. I took a break, and I went to the mainland, and I wanted to go back to Delphi, because I hadn't been there since I was 19. And I'd always had a thing for Apollo. I'd always had a thing for Greece. I'd always had a thing for the Olympian gods, and um, I minored in archeology span in college. And so I went back to Delphi. I did the tourist thing. It was great, loved it, but to get away from the crowds the next day, Sunday morning, early, I hiked up Mount Parnassus, and I'm sitting up on top of the mountain, overlooking the Pleistos River Valley, and minding my own business, And all of a sudden I had a vision. (laughs) I saw this beautiful man just bound over the rocks towards me and literally sit down next to me, turned and said, hi, I'm Apollo. I have things to tell humanity, let's talk. And then poof. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, that's a good start okay so as you've just teased everybody here let's do a little bit of your backstory for a moment for those who are not familiar with your work because you took about 20 years of your life and you really dug into Uh, if not monastic, certainly the meditative lifestyle, trying to escape the woes of the physical material world and all the problems and everything that it brings. And uh, you had this ultimate awakening that wasn't what you expected, but you spent a lot of time in the inner realm. So for you to have uh, visions and to see beyond the physical realm is not an unusual thing. So tell us a little bit about the backstory.
1: Um. Well, basically, I was working in network television, I was um, heading 30, I was married, had the life, everything, the right husband, the right career, money, etc. And I was miserable, Regina. I mean, that's such a typical story. And so there really wasn't any place to go other than, you know, I'd done everything else out on the outside. It was just like, oh my God, so what's left? Well, the only thing I hadn't plumbed was myself. So at that point, I uh, left network television, and I left my husband and went to go live a monastic life uh, in, a, in the woods in a one-room cabin in the middle of freaking nowhere in the North Georgia mountains, and I taught myself to meditate. I was there for three years, and it was really an interesting journey, Regina. I mean, everybody's journey is different, and it's individual because we're gloriously individual, and I basically just asked myself, who am I? And then I would look within. And then kind of the the question changed after a couple of years to, what am I? (laughs) And then, and then, and then. Um, So fast forward about 25 years in 2007. And in meditation one morning, the personality, Kate Montana, the, the ego, didn't come back. For years, Regina, I had been falling into what I can only call samadhi states, of, of union, of bliss, out with my eyes closed. And, you know, like so many of us, we tap into that, and then, you know, I would open my eyes and get off my zazen pillow, and poof, you know, the world is back, and my bills are back, and my backache is back, and my annoyance with my partner is back, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it, a millisecond, and I was like, I wrestled for years with this internal shift between Ultimate reality, which was ultimately so clear it was ultimate reality with my eyes closed. <laughs> and then opening my eyes, and I was like, oh god, well, this is doggone real too. What do I do with this? What do I do with this? So um, yeah, so fast forward to about five, six, seven years later, I didn't come back after a meditation one morning. And it the only word I can use is liberation. And So for three days, I wasn't Kate, I just was. And if you quite frankly asked me what happened those three days, I couldn't tell you. I was just present and alive. And, um, And my whole life as Kate Montana became richly amusing. I laughed my ass off quite frankly when it happened. No wonder the Buddha is always seen laughing because it's the biggest freaking joke on the planet It's like I had spent 25 years assiduously Meditating hours and hours a day. I wrapped my whole I designed my whole life around my inner seeking and Wow, because I wanted to be enlightened Kate Montana I want to stand up on stage and wear the white robe and tell people how it was and um, so when awakening occurred, then there was no Kate Montana present, and that was awakening. And so that was the joke, is that there was no possibility that I, or anybody, any human being, could become enlightened. Because it was the absence of my personal perspective. <laughs>
0: And you know what it's interesting you should say that just you know really briefly without getting into details my my story is similar 32 was with a network doing news uh, at a local level local network station Um, had already been at the network level and married had my little wonderful son and everything. Same thing. It's like something's missing. And went on that journey, didn't do the monastic thing right away, but it ended up, you know, similar result. And the thing is, as we went through those years, that period of time uh, for 20, 25 years, whatnot, um, I felt the same thing. I could go into these incredible expansive states with my eyes closed and thought, wait a minute, what's the trick here? As soon as you open your eyes, you're back to the world around you because the senses are alive and engaged and it involves other people. And this has been the conundrum unless you really are sequestered, as in living at a monastery where you can spend a lot of time with your eyes closed and doing simple things where you don't bump into stuff. But in reality, at the same time, I always felt. I love this planet. This possibility of being on this planet, in these trees, in this body, and this kind of sensual interaction with everything—like, why are we trying to run away from it? Now, this kind of is going to get. This will dovetail back into your story. Okay, so let let's now pick it up with a this gorgeous guy in his what thirties, wearing a t-shirt that says Apollo Rocks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> get <that> from there. <laughs> That was really the turning point, Regina. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put that vision away. Here I am in the midst, well, you know what it's like, you're on a deadline with a publishing company and you're chewing out a book. And you know, and this was a pretty heavy book about the ego and enlightenment for heaven's sakes, nonfiction. And all of a sudden, all I can do is think about this gorgeous gong. <laughs> And then apparently I'd been tapped on the shoulder by the the Greek God of of light himself. And I'm like, well, what do you do with this? So anyway, when I finished the E word, I came out the other side and I tried to do what my publisher wanted me to do, which was, you know, be the spiritual teacher and push the book and talk about ego and enlightenment. But All I could think about was Apollo. And you interviewed me years ago um, with my first book, which was a memoir called The Unearthing Venus, which was the accounting of my, the beginning of my dive into the feminine, because I had realized that I've been raised to be a guy. I've been taught to think like a man, goal set like a man, be aggressive like a man, make love like a man, you name it. Where was the feminine nature? But
0: you still had the shame of a woman.
1: Oh, geez. And this
0: is, this is the real
1: key. I Totally, Regina. And that's why Apollo came into my life. So here I am, you know, I'm going to be a spiritual teacher and talk about the ego. And tap, tap, tap. The universe, Apollo goes, no, sister, you need to talk about the goddess. You need to talk about the feminine. You need to dive into who you are as a woman. And explore that because that contains everything you're looking for. And so... I had to write Apollo. It just came out of me. Literally two days after I finished the E word, Regina, I was, I started to write Apollo and me. I just sat in front of my computer and waited in a meditative state, if you will, for whatever was going to come through to come through. I had no idea. And this story just unfolded. And it was a personal story and it was a love story and it was, fiction based on that initial encounter I had with Apollo at Delphi.
0: And it's a very hot, sexy love story. I want to say this for anybody: if you have any hang-ups about sex, the book will be uh, a little challenging for you. You have to be willing to kind of really go into the sensuality of it. And if for if you like that, it's really fun. But the point is, it's highlighting some very intense male-female dynamics, while at the same time seeding us with fascinating information about what was explained to you as the realm of the gods and our own incredible human imaginal abilities to even create these very gods that end up exploiting us ourselves right
1: right well we end up exploiting ourselves yeah that was it wasn't a novel idea to me when i was introduced when apollo or whatever realm i was tapping into and coming through it wasn't a, a new idea that we had created the gods but it was at the same time because it was such a, a real alive vibrant oh my god you know kind of like i i, I should have had a v8 moment it's just like oh, of course we did You know, the entire new age is wrapped around the whole concept of of personal manifestation and personal empowerment, and our thoughts create reality. And so when the information about how Apollo was actually created, how all of the Olympian gods, how all of our gods have been created out of our own projection about who who and what we think God is, and then... You know, little humans, we're, we're in these bodies, Regina, and we're very vulnerable. It's, it's the first message we get coming out of the womb. Um, all of a sudden, you know, that things are out there. Mommy's out there. The breast is out there. The dog is out there. The cat can scratch me. I have a skin boundary. I'm separate from you, apparently. My senses tell me that 24-7. Billions of bites a second inform me of that. And that makes me vulnerable. I can be hurt by what is apparently outside of me, and so to 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 go beyond that and go into my go back into life at a different level, Regina. That's what I was being asked to do: is like put aside that illusion of yes, that skin boundary. Recognize the power of your thoughts, yes, your imagination, yes, but realize you've you've been frightened for millions of years back in the cave, you know, before fire was, was invented. You've been frightened for a long time, so of course you worship and try to propitiate and calm and seduce and and make friends with these sometimes violent forces around you. I mean, I live on the island of Maui, it was created by volcano. It's, it's just like, yes, of course we're gonna bow down to Pele. Um Because we don't understand that that's all us within us. So this was kind of this was the beginning of the journey and getting back into my body, Regina, and accepting my power.. Ugh.
0: This was a big one because I'm not going to give the whole plot away because a it's the book's too too uh, fat on content. And I don't mean overly fat. It's just juicy, has a lot of content. But I want to get into a little a few of the plot twists. So yeah. you encounter this person, this Apollo, and at one point he's saying to you. Uh, he can tell that you have shame around your body because you're not 23 or 33 anymore feeling oh my god my skin's sagging i'm sitting here with this beautiful young man and all of this kind of women's self chat self-shaming chat starts happening which happens to women around the world throughout history particularly once we entered the age of entered the age of patriarchy mm-hmm. and so a little scene happens there would you wish would you wish to be ageless a little beguilement happens, and let's talk about that scene and why it happened to set up the rest of the plot.
1: That scene really shocked me, Regina. I, that that was the first, I knew, when I wrote that scene about Apollo's temptation, if you will, mm-hmm. um, of eternal youth, and the price she was going to have, my main heroine was going to have to pay for that. That came so out of left field. That's when I knew that this book had a life of its own. And yeah. and that came in like about page seven. So I was yeah. like, okay, I'm not in control here. I'm, I'm going, I'm being taken for a ride. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of people have asked me whether, uh, whether this is channeled material, whether I'm, whether it's autobiographical. And to be honest, I can't say where the line of demarcation is. I know that Apollo, Apollo, this entity, whatever, was evoking in me my deepest considerations, concerns, shame, programming, social programming, endless, oh my god, thousands of years of patriarchal religious shaming of, the, of, of woman as the ultimate evil temptress who seduced us out of the garden and life's been crap ever since, you know, it's like, Oh my God, the level that that was in me. And especially now that I'm getting older, um, it's like I'm in my late sixties and it's been really shocking to look in the mirror and I go, "Who who the hell is that? Oh my God. And so whatever small amount of, confidence sexual confidence and so much sexuality was wrapped into my confidence as a woman um yes in network television yes i could i could beat the guys at their own game in 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 tv production and i was as good as any man and paid as any man but where i really felt validated was as if i could attract a man and keep a man and keep a man satisfied in bed that Hi, I was raised in the women's lid you know, century uh decades, and still I was such a huge part of my programming, Regina. And now to be older, it's like, oh my god, how much of my power? Oh, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but it's so true. How much of my power have I lost?
0: And this goes through most women's minds repeatedly. As we go through the aging process is what is our value anymore because it is so inculcated into our DNA to, to scrap for survival, to have some kind of favor with men, literally for our survival, to compete with other women, to be even um, duplicitous. You know, women are much less direct in communication in these ways where you're kind of maneuvering and manipulating to see that you secure some steady attention from a man in your life, whether it's a maid or a boyfriend or whatnot, so that you can survive. Because historically, that was our means of survival. But to me, Kate, what intrigued me so much about this book is that I think that is probably the biggest problem we have on the planet. If women could start understanding their worth as beings and souls, at a true eyes open in the world level, this world would change overnight. If there could be something that happened and triggered that in all females, it would change overnight. It's not going to be easy. So let's go into this a little bit more in the story and what Apollo was telling you about how the gods that we helped create, he called himself a hybrid species, a tulpa of sorts as in Buddhist uh, terminology. Um, how these gods began exploiting us and using the chance to be in the physical form to have sex with us, have, you know enjoy and exploit the people of this planet.
1: Right, right. Well, you're probably no stranger to various conspiracy theories from Area 51 on to where, you know, whatever, that we're being manipulated by um, in the unseen realms. You know, the reptilians have, you know, the hierarchy above them.
0: Everyone watching here is familiar with these themes, so go for it.
1: Got it. So, So thinking that we're being manipulated by... External forces is is not a big leap. <laughs> we're already there, and the truth of it is we are, and yet so many i uh, and this is the information that came to me through this is that so much of what we fear and are now being manipulated by and energy sucked by is of our own creation. We have projected as I say, out of our fear. You know the big man in the white, in the white beard and the white sky, the all-knowing, all-seeing authoritarian that is going to zap you to hell if you're if you're bad and and elevate you to heaven if you're good. Oh my God, we've created that entity. We. And that's what Apollo wanted me to realize and wanted, that's one of the reasons he tapped me on the shoulder at Delphi and said, I've got things to tell humanity. It's like, wake up. You're still giving your power away to these beings that you're creating.
0: (laughs) He was not saying that there are no grand creative forces within the universe. That's not what he was saying. He's saying what you humans are mistaking for a creator God, Mm-hmm. is nothing other than essentially an errant uh, imaginal God from the realm he was once from or yep. the realm they, they were from. And they were different realm beings that we helped imagine into physical form in our reality. And so let's go for it. I mean, it's one of the controversial parts of the book. He said, we've all withdrawn. He said, I'm here to do this this one last thing to help you, the feminine, wake back up. And he's the perfected man. On every level in his interactions with you in this book to allow you to wake up as a woman awake from this this dull state we've been kind of rocked into
1: yeah
0: right right Mm -hmm. yeah so we we've created these beings to essentially enslave us in our mentality and he's come to bring you personally back to life so you could understand what the feminine had been subjected to and he used all the tricks that an enticing male would use to make you feel small initially, playing with you,
1: right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, he seduced me from day one. (laughs) And then, of course, in that seduction, all of my fears and all of my insecurities as a woman came up, all of my shame, all of my judgment about getting older. How could he possibly have any... I must be imagining that he... Is is being sexually, you know, flirtatious with me? It must be my own tremendous neediness that's projecting this onto him. He d- he doesn't want me. Oh my God, the crap that came up, Regina. Oh, and so you know, just briefly, he does exist. I'm not sure. I can't really explain it. He called himself an archetype, a pattern. And you're right. He he did. He is the perfected male. And the thing that was most seductive about Apollo was that he saw me.
0: And that is the struggle that men and women have had all along. Women feel unseen. And partly because of the force that he said has been left behind on this planet in our own imaginal realm with the three Judeo-Christian and Muslim religions, which is an entity that he said is named Jehovah. And Jehovah has stayed behind to keep us in these dark patterns that allowing us to continue to be exploited and we have to withdraw power from our belief and empowerment of that entity, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the reasons that Apollo and all the rest of the Olympian gods had withdrawn from this arena, so to speak, was because we stopped believing in them. Our attention went elsewhere. Our attention went to the Judeo-Christian God, which is Jehovah, which is the foundation for Judaism, um, Islam and Christianity. And so we went from anthropomorphizing, you know, Pele and the, the, and the volcano and the sky god Zeus and, and all of that. We went, okay, we grew past that and stopped looking at the life elements, if you will, around us and, and making God, making them divine. We, we pulled the divinity out of the earth in a way. Actually, not in a way. We totally pulled the divinity out of the Earth, pulled the divinity out of ourselves. And so Apollo and his crew had no choice to withdraw. Of course, there are other planets and other places that are evolving behind us that take their attention and that that's their time. But the main reason was because we had withdrawn our attention from them. And then we have now gone to the authoritarian sky god, the big male in the, the big penis in the sky Yeah, who's just going to wave his magic wand and tell us how it is and we're going to jump and ask how high and if we don't we're we're done for and that that has sucked the joy out of us Regina that has sucked all the life force out of us that's all the power out of us and it is fascinating to me and horrifying that it is the elevation of the big male And the masculine force itself, gender force, masculine and feminine, they're these polar opposites that lie at the very basis of creation electromagnetic forces of of positive positrons and negative electrons. And so we're talking about these massive creative forces. And now we've completely marginalized the life force as it is embodied in the feminine and elevated the masculine aspects of life and creation and i know it's not politically correct nowadays to talk about um the differences between man and woman you know we're all supposed to be the same and live happily ever after and how's that working out for us
0: well it's Um, simply not true (laughs) we can say that if we like but evidence would suggest otherwise so go for it
1: yeah totally so we've 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 taken so the masculine aspect qualities if you will the yang are is is structure is rules it's linear focus it's penetrating it's action it's out there it's logical it's intellectual it's hard it's harsh it's aggressive and that is what we have come to worship and that's what we've come to be dominated by and that is the characteristic of our entire western society. It's all based on the masculine model and masculine energetics and the feminine has been completely eliminated from the picture because we're different. We're other and the ego doesn't like other. I mean, we can, we look at genocide. I don't like it if your skin color is different. I don't like you if your religion is different. I don't like it if you've been raised in a different educational system. You are a threat to me because you're other. Back to the skin boundary, I'm a vulnerable human here that can be damaged and hurt and suppressed by an other. So I'm gonna do my best to survive, pure survival, to make sure that the other, that threat in my mind, and my psyche is eliminated. So the masculine force, we've actually done that with with women. We can't do femicide because then there's no species. So the only other two ways that the masculine can control the feminine is through marginalization and diminishment, which is where we've gone. The feminine Eve is a bad saucy wench. She got us into all of this. It's all her fault. It's been man time's downfall, evil woman. Oh, it's the feminine. feminine. Oh
0: my God, very, very too. Or... Instead of an ele- a very very elevated master
1: and yep. acolyte. Yep. So all things feminine had to be diminished and demeaned,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that they meant nothing. Because you know nowadays you, you don't want to be soft, you don't want to be sweet, you don't want to be gentle, you don't want to be vulnerable. All of those more feminine attributes they've become incredibly judged and negative, and I don't know about you, but the last thing I wanted to be growing up was vulnerable and sweet. <laughs> it was just like, well, to hell with that. I wanted to be out there making my life path and be aggressive and yada, yada, yada. And so so then, the back, but back to how we're marginalized. Now, that's the next way that the masculine can get rid of us, is by assimilation. We've vaulted finally beyond the demeaning. We're crawling out of that hellhole of shame that the patriarchal religions, patriarchal society has set us in and stomped on us. And so we've arisen beyond that. And now we go, oh, wow, you know, I'm equal. But this is the thing that shocked me when I realized this about 20 years ago, Regina, and why I wrote *Unearthing Venus. I realized I'd been raised to be like a guy, to think like a guy, to have no emotion, just to be structured and rule-bound and aggressive and goal-oriented. And what a, what a horrifying shock to realize that I didn't even know what I was as a being. So now we've been assimilated. So we're all we're all acting out of the masculine modality. And yet you can't be a man. So to be
0: assimilated is never going to get you close to what it is you want to experience because you're not a man. no. Nope.
1: Nope. and we wonder why the, 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 the rapidly escalating rates of alcoholism and drug addiction and suicide in women.
0: Absolutely. Well, going back to the story here for just a moment, um, Apollo was saying to you and showing you uh, again the nature of who these beings are that we wow. tend to bow before, saying, wow. "Look, we're unessentially manifesting myself to you to see me this way as a manifested, perfected male blueprint." <laughs> he said, "But the blueprint itself." is made for you and all of these incredible physical species around the universe that are coming into their own going through the journey of physicality because so many people think oh you know that the desirable outcome here would be it's getting tough out there um i hope i can do whatever it takes to get into my fifth dimensional energy so i'm a shimmering energetic kind of version of myself and I can just poof out of here I don't see it that way I see we're on a magnificent planet and from what he was saying yes Earth is a magnificent planet it has so much beauty so much diversity so much to enjoy and to interact with it's just a pure pleasure for beings who've been non-physical and that these are all throughout the universe and like you said they're somewhere else now working with another species coming along let's talk about what he had to tell you about the physicality of being, the, the, the opportunity of being in this dimension and waking up while we're embodied.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, if, the masculine path is liberation, traditionally. If you look at Buddha, it's about awakening and liberation. Um, again, the masculine path is more intellectual and more abstract if you will hence well let's let's move out there to god and this the feminine the feminine is the feminine face of god the physical realm is the feminine face of god my body your body this earth is god incarnate so the masculine naturally gravitates to the abstract Now, I, you, most women watching this, have been raised in a patriarchal society with a a Judeo Christian background of of sexual shame, body shame. So we've gone the same path. I want to get out of here. Oh, God. You know, for 25 years, this was my mantra. Oh, God, just get me out of here. I want to ascend. The last place I wanted to be was in my body. So it's like, Oh my God, what a, what a joke! What an amazing revelation for me to turn around. I've been inching that way, but Apollo just basically bitch slapped me and said, you know, wake up, get in your body, that's where your power lies. It, 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 you're, that's not separate from God. It is God. Can you can you see how divine you are? Can you see your beauty? Can you see your grace? Can you see your infinite possibility and potential when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you look in the mirror? And I was like, well, it's pretty obvious what I saw in the mirror. Um, And hence this book. Oh, my God, Regina, writing this book and being in touch with this consciousness, this being. What a wake-up call. And, um, you know, it always makes me almost want to cry because – I've turned 180 degrees and instead of wanting to be this escape artist, just like get me out of here, take Calgon, take me away. It's like, Oh my God, I'm here finally. (laughs) And my, and my meditations are all about the body. And it's like, It takes us to the same place. I just just got through writing an article the other day about what the difference between liberation and connection is. You know, men gravitate, they want the liberation. A friend of mine said, well, Katie, what do you think the, the difference between men's true desires and women's true desires? And I said, men want freedom and women want connection. And then I was like, well, Oh crap, I wanted liberation. Of course, I've been trained and raised to be like a guy. Of course, I've been seeking liberation. So I returned my attention into connection. Connection to my body, connection to you, connection to all of life. And I meditated on that and by God, it took me to the same place as that divine, out there, abstract liberation direction in, and through is the same place as out just a different path and it's inclusive that's the thing it's inclusive
0: (laughs) one of the comments he was making to his people here spend so much time trying to search for meaning in all of it instead (laughs) of actually getting down into the moment and living the moments well Talk about that for a moment, because this was a very sensual story. I mean, you're always eating, you know, crusty bread and olives and having red wine and all.
1: <laughs> swimming naked in Sea.
0: Made me want to go to Greece for sure. Okay, so let's talk about this, uh, this notion of finding meaning in life versus actually living life here in our bodies in the world.
1: Well, one of the one of the things that Apollo did was basically jerk a knot in my head and go, "There is no meaning," and I'm like, "Huh?" He said, "Meaning is all in your mind." He said that is again back to the masculine path, the yang expression. You're always trying to make something meaningful, which means that you're that this moment isn't isn't enough, and you're demeaning whatever is happening now in light of maybe some better elsewhere. And he was like, but there is no better. It's all right here. It's all right now. It's all in you. It's all in your body. And if you could, you know, and I'm like, yeah, well, what's this all mean? You know, and 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 and, tulpas and 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 gods and projection and egos. Just calm down, breathe, relax into this moment. And it takes all of that and puts it in perspective which is basically meaningless. It's all stories that your mind has made up. And if we can get out of the stories, you know, it's one of the blessed, wonderful things about the New Age movement. I was, you know, I hated the story of the Christian Church where I was raised. It was just like everything was shameful. We were lowly worms, not you know worthy of gathering up the crumbs from underneath thy table, Lord. I was like, oh God, no. So that didn't work for me. The New Age was like, oh, oh my God, I've, I've got angels and, and chakras and auras and 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 conspiracy theories and you name it, and I, all these wonderful stories and and all this meaning to find. God, Regina, you know, just talking about this right now makes me realize how far it let me wander out into left field and right field and center field instead of just being right here in my body with these amazing, right here, right now. It's so juicy, it holds everything.
0: Wow. It, it does. And that's what he kept saying throughout the book. It's to life is the moment you have in your body here to live them well. And living them well, of course, that's a loaded statement. Okay. Living them well does require something higher in ourselves. Um, It does require, as you say, living into kind of our own higher virtues that allows us to be interconnected effectively with one another Mm -hmm. and to create loving, established relationships to help one another. I mean, this is the human opportunity. This is the grace and the beauty in life is to be able to be here on earth with each other. Yep.
1: Yep. And you know, the, the hard part, the harsh part that I had to face in this book, writing it, was in coming back into the body and coming back into life. Then all of a sudden I'm confronted with all of my programming that's in my genetics. It's embodied in me, shame and self-hatred and insecurity. And I didn't realize the depth that I still had all of these programs epigenetically locked in my cellular system.
0: Absolutely. I don't know, personally, I don't know a woman who hasn't succumbed to that, who who doesn't live that base program out. Yep.
1: Yep. And it's got to come out. It's got to come out. We've got to recognize it. And the thing that, one of the things that just seriously shocked me, Regina, was, okay, how many years have I been on this beautiful dog? 35 years? And, <laughs> How many retreats have I gone to? How many retreats have I ended up doing, you know, holotropic breath work and then bawling my eyes out and just, and having all of these releases. And, 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 and back in the day when we would do anger management and, and anger therapy and pound pillows and all of that. And I was like, I thought I'd gone beyond all of it. I thought I'd gotten it, Regina, because I'd had these amazing experiences because I had awakened Well, I didn't awaken because there was no I left to be awake. There was just awake. So, boy, language just doesn't do enlightenment very much justice. You can't talk about it, which is why I don't try anymore. But it's like, oh, my God, there was so much residual pain still locked in my body that had to be expressed. I know that's, I know that, you know, I actually kind of lost it when, um, Uh, the whole Brett Kavanaugh um, hearings were going on and and Blasey Ford. It's just like, and I watched so many women around the planet just lose it.
0: Very upsetting.
1: Very upsetting because yet one more time we were seeing that same marginalization, demeaning, diminishment, and the complete, again, the opposite of what the awake, perfected male is and does, which is I see you, I value you and all that you are.
0: That's right, and that's how this story played out in the book, and that's how you, your character, began responding and opening up, and I don't want to go into the end of the book too much um, in any detail, but just to say that as you went through this journey, and as you mentioned, all the shame and everything, you were in a shocking situation taken into essentially a tumbling through time of every kind of abuse that women have been through. And if any women out there that are watching this have been through a number of past life regressions, um, you've probably encountered this stuff. And it's it's terrifying, and it's ugly, and it really is it woven into our memory on a DNA level. Uh, to fear for our lives, to manipulate, to do all these things we talked about earlier for our own survival. And it was really a shocking scene. And let's talk about why you had to include the kind of the horrific severity of the horrid things that women have been subjected to through time. What did that cement for you?
1: The The necessity of having to see that and acknowledge it. It's not that every woman has to dive in a, in and, and have a past life recall like I had, but we have to acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge that there's a reason that there was this incredible wave of righteous rage that came up in women worldwide during the Kavanaugh Ford hearings, mm-hmm. and that's we're not just being hysterical. We're not just you know making this stuff up. It triggered something
0: very deep, I think, in everyone who was witnessing it, because you could feel the incredible incredible vulnerability, uh, her attempts to tell the truth while she was being squashed from all sides. Um, it was enraging. I think there, there, you're right. There is no better word for it.
1: And what was also fascinating is we also, what we saw was a woman in her power. She was quietly fierce. mm mm-hmm. She was centered, she was absolute in her testimony, and she didn't waver, she didn't point fingers, she didn't get, and what we saw on the flip side was a child man, who is now, you know, lifelong elected to the Supreme Court. We saw the typical child man who is frightened of the power of life itself who wants to lock it in a box and throw away the key and wants to, that's why the whole fundamentalist movements in, in Islam, in Judaism and in Christianity is flocking to the foreground. It's like, let's go to the past where patriarchy was healthy and vibrant and shut these damn women up so that we can get back to normal.
0: Well, sure. People are afraid of the unknown. They don't know what to expect next if everybody starts standing in their true power. So you can understand. I mean, women included, at least they feel like, well, when we were living in this way, at least we knew our place in the world. Or at least we had some kind of security in the world. Because as it feels crazier out there, of course, we're becoming more polarized toward those who have courage and are willing to go beyond all the boxes and be surprised what the future holds and be part of the creation of that and the other uh, large part of the of humanity that is slipping back to anything that feels secure and i have compassion for that you can understand why people are doing that but that's not the path i'm choosing you're choosing nor anyone else watching this is choosing but still if you're a woman you're probably relating to all these words yourself and saying god it's true i still beat myself up oh when can i lose that 5 or 10 or 20 pounds or whatever so you can have your power back your, you know your attractiveness back i mean it's so minuscule compared to the nature of our being and the soul that we are so as 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 we wrap this up talk tell us about how you felt when you finished this, what it brought to you, what you're hoping to bring to women. I'm going to say right up front, we left out 95% of the book because it's just (laughs) (laughs) something.
1: Yeah, I just want to add one thing to your previous question. Mm -hmm. The reason I had to dive so deep into the epigenetic held pain and shame and abuse of women is so that we know we're valid that we we understand that our rage and our upset and that our self-hatred, there's a reason for it. There's a huge reason for it. Not to wallow in it, but to recognize that we're valid in our pain, and then see it, and then be able to finally let it go. I
0: absolutely agree with you, and it was a profound a scene that transpired, and it's one I related to. I have been in a lot of uh, regression through a lot of regressions throughout my life, and have experienced a lot of what you indicated there. And um, once you start realizing <laughs> the depth of what's lying in our subconscious mind, uh, in our field, in our DNA, you start realizing yes it's okay it's okay to be seen for what it is now to acknowledge it and to give each other the validation yep this is what we've all been through this is why we're so screwed up and so now where do we go from here and that's the big thing where do we go from here I do think it is the largest most pressing issue in the world is the denigration of the women on a, a really a psycho-spiritual level that and we need to come get out from under this and come back alive again. How, what are you recommending beyond this? What happens after this?
1: Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a living, breathing testimony. I'm, you know, I'm sitting here surrounded by flowers. Um, spirit called me to, to the Island of Maui. I am continuing on a daily basis to evoke this deep appreciation for life and my body and be present in my body. And I'm diving deep, frankly, Regina, to discover more and more about where this volcanic, powerful energy of the feminine, how it rises up through my loins in my womb and the rest of my body, and then supercharges the atmosphere of the quantum field around me to pull in. You know, I, I was watching the UN... Greta Thunberg talked to the UN and I just, you know, I went, I just, my eyeballs practically locked out with, with, you know, compassion and rage at the same time. And I wanted to run out the door and do something. And then this whole process that Apollo put me on this deep feminine dive is like, I reined that, you know, do something back in and went, okay. I, and, This is so new for me, Regina, and I have seated myself in my body back in my womb area and I'm attracting that which and magnetizing that which can assist me to make groundbreaking, earth-shaking changes. I can't do it alone. I can't do this as Kate Montana. I've got to open up and receive and become this, what the feminine is, all inclusive and embracing so there is oh my god my power is everywhere around me it's not just in my head and it's not you know on my next you know facebook post wow it's in my connectivity and my availability and vulnerability and being willing to open up to god what can come in and ride me and support me and i can ride with it and we can all change this it's a huge wave that I feel cresting through me personally, but I know it's not personal; it's universal.
0: Charging out there ahead of the rest of most of us on this one, and I think there's a lot of uh, I think dialogue that's going to have to and story that's yeah. going to have to support this from both women and men, because yes. Yes, the men out there in the world haven't been raised to be the perfected Apollo type male either. They're just struggling to find their own power in their own way in a really kind of topsy turvy uh, reality, chaotic reality right now. Which is why so many of them are becoming addicted to opioids and drugs as well. Yep. I mean, this is this is a human problem. So we're going to have to speak together, and we're going to have to become really, I think, very creative and vulnerable to to begin healing this this huge, huge human rift.
1: Yep. I mean, you know, we're not from Venus and from Mars. We're from planet Earth. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, let's stop with that playing that game of of dichotomy and get together and figure out and know each other, Mm -hmm. see each other. It's all here to be seen and known. We just have to open up to it and the possibility.
0: Absolutely. On that note, I want to thank you for your time and thank you for having the courage to put this together in this way. Um, I've, I've already turned a couple of my female friends on to it and uh, they're loving it because um, it really does start moving things in you. So I'll be curious to see how some of the men respond to it as well. So, Kate, thank you so much for your time. I wish you really well in uh, lighting people up on this journey.
1: Thank you, Regina, very much for having me on the show. Aloha.
0: Aloha. Again, Kate Montana's book is called Apollo and Me, and you can purchase it through Amazon and other booksellers, and be ready for a ride, a really hot, sensual ride, in addition to a metaphysical and spiritual ride. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.